and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again on the Outsports Podcast Network, and it's finally here. It's here once again. It's WrestleMania week, everybody. Uh, it, it is the busiest week of pro wrestling in the calendar year down in Dallas, Texas, where I'm sure a number of you listening are already down there getting prepped and ready for the festivities that are kicking off later today, as if you're listening to the show when it drops on Thursday morning. Um, Obviously, the collective is getting underway uh, this morning. I believe the first show is is, uh, a glory pro wrestling show there, and it's just going to kick off three straight days of outstanding action as we head into uh, WrestleMania, the two-night uh, huge event down there in Dallas, along with other major events as well. Like there's, when I say it's the busiest week in pro wrestling, I'm not kidding. I mean, Ring of Honor, New Japan, uh, Impact, a lot of, of large companies are running alongside what GCW is doing with the collective. A lot of local companies are running with uh, a various collection of promotions at, at Texas Mania as well. Uh, down there, there's not to mention WrestleCon with the with the Mark Hitchcock uh, Memorial Show. There is uh, so much wrestling <laughs> to ingest um, over the next four to five days, and it is going to be uh, it is going to be another uh, classic week. Honestly, I mean, last year was amazing. Obviously, with matches that we saw. At the Big Gay Brunch with Billy Dixon and AJ Gray, with Ace Perry and uh, and Effie. Um, outside of that, just the the li- I did my tw- top twenty five matches la- of, of of Mania Week last year. Um, you can go check that out to see all the the amazing stuff out there. The death match, death matches with Pero, um, the the Gray Sweatpants Battle Royal, just like so many different fun, exciting, different things. Um, not to mention Shayna Baszler uh, making the the cut for WWE on that list as well. It's it's a fun list to relive, but it also helps to hype up what we're going to be seeing this week. And we could not do a show on the day that the collective kicks off to top to to send all of us pro wrestling uh, fans into the week without having the namesake of the single gayest show, the single queerest show on the week's roster of events. Yes, Effie is fine, and Effie is back on LGBT in the ring this week to chat all about the big gay brunch, all about his past year, uh, the indie run that he has been on over the past year. We talk Hammerstein, we're talking big gay brunch Chicago from Labor Day weekend. We cover a whole gamut. Of, of stuff in this interview and it's always a pleasure to sit down with that so i'm very glad that he took time out of his busy schedule as the big game brunch is coming together for saturday morning uh and that that lineup is just stacked we get into we run down most of the card in the interview but just looking at the card itself already it's stacked and we still don't even know what shape purser or kid bandit are going to be doing on the show yet they're i don't believe that either of their matches have been announced um, so Effie's promising surprises, 
you never know who might show up. I did see Jake Atlas tweet something about liking surprises. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Anyway, no more speculation. We know what's going down Saturday morning in Dallas. It's going to be the big gay brunch. And what's going down right now to kick off your WrestleMania week, your collective week. We got Effie. Let's get to it. What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the Ring. And I am very pleased to have returning to the show today, simply, this is Effie. How Hello. are you doing? It's, <laughs> I feel great now. There, like, There's this comfort level I feel with talking to you because we've had conversations through the years. And so when I'm approaching a big event and I'm hectic and I'm running all over the place and someone says, can I interview you? Most of the time, the answer is no, but I feel comfortable with you. Listen, people, this is a person who is, they understand my brain is a little wild. And so I'm in a comfortable place now to talk about what's coming up in my life. No, that's what we like to provide here. We like to provide a comforting space, a safe place for you to kind of come in and just let any uh, wildness that you have running through your mind go. That's what we do here. Thank you. <laughs> We're no. symbiotic here, you know. We're getting exactly. the info to the people. The people are here. It's it's good stuff. <laughs> no, I was very happy to run into you again at the Prestige Show out here in Portland. Yes, uh, that was a dope show to begin with, but it was nice to run into you there. And I wanted to have you on the show again, obviously with the PK brunch coming up at the end of the month here. But there was one thing you said to me whenever we were talking at, at the merch table that just immediately was like, okay, we got to get this show soon. You said they're trying to fuck on me. <laughs> I did. And I'm glad you heard me say that. Uh, I, I need to know who's trying to fuck on you this time. Effie. Everyone is trying to fuck on me. And it's not, I'm not saying this from a place of paranoia. But I, what I am saying is that as I have grown in sort of the distribution of people finding out about Effie and me sort of appearing everywhere, I have to make sure that there's... In wrestling, there's mosquitoes, there's accessory, there's things around it. And so at every turn, you sort of start to find out, you go, okay, wait a second, are these people making more money off me than I am? And you've got to make sure that you're in a position to do fine. And so I'm, uh, I was probably in a hectic moment, but it is sort of the idea of like, uh, making sure that going forward in the wrestling world that the people who are wrestling and selling the tickets and putting it on are treated properly. And I'd say 90% of the time I am, but then you run into those moments where you go, oh, I see what's happening here. You thought I was a doofus and it keeps you on your toes. It's uh, That's sort of where I'm at. I've got to just protect the Effie for my own mental health and for the health of Effie going forward. Like, you have to protect around you and you can't believe everyone at face value anymore, unfortunately. It's very much kind of like keeping that Effie is fine brand in the forefront of the mind in a way. Yeah, which funny enough, the Effie is fine thing started because I would be in the back and I'm a pretty vivacious, loquacious talking kind of cat. And uh, when it comes time to do the primary function of what I do, which is wrestle, I sometimes need time to sit and think and meditate and go through my process. And I found out that everybody thought I was like dead or dying or like under a spell or was sad when I was just actually focusing. And so when they see me in these dangerous positions, when they see me in matches where they think I'm dying or I'm bleeding or I'm beat up, 
understand that I'm making professional decisions. I'm a wise person. I'm not dying in the ring. I'm not choosing that path. So no, the FE is fine. I almost got it tattooed on my back just because I was sick of like, if you put your head down and think, at least I can look on the back and be like, no, I'm fine. fine. It's fine. Leave it alone. You don't need to ask. We're good. Are you fine? You know, that's the question I've been asking back because if you're worried about if I'm fine, let's check on you. Mm-hmm. No, I can, I can definitely understand that. I feel, I feel like that's, it's, it's odd that, that that is kind of the genesis of that because I feel like so many uh, wrestlers kind of have a, a, a pre-match process or that sort of thing that doesn't necessarily like equate to like people thinking that there's something wrong in, in the moment. Oh, I mean, I completely go down into the into the depths of the brain. Like I've got to get I've got to get touch on a function that uh, I, I don't know if most people mess with. And I think there's also the idea that in these backstage locker rooms, in these situations, people still, you know, to their own, uh, you know, means walk on eggshells sometimes or don't want to appear mean to people or don't want to make certain demands of, of basic standards because they're worried about what will so-and-so say, what will so-and-so think, or maybe I'll lose this or lose that. And obviously I'm speaking from a place of people pay money to come see me. So I have a little more pull in it, but I'm not, I'm not ever going to give you any bullshit when I'm in a backstage area. That to me is a safe place where I am fully free and functioning and not performing for anyone. So if it means I'm running my mouth crazy, or if it means I need to go be silent in a corner, I'm not in the backstage to impress anyone else there. I'm there to function with my opponent or opponents. I'm there to put on the right show for what I am paid to do, but I'm not there to, you know, I have fun. I enjoy everyone, but that, that sort of game backstage of, we all have our process. We all have this, but I hope my process doesn't make anyone feel weird. Or I hope that they don't think I'm this way because of how I was in the backstage locker room. And this sounds contrary to like, you know, how locker rooms are, but I, I'm not, I'm not wearing any masks back there. Trust me. I mean, I would, I wouldn't think that you would be considering like just how you are in, in the public eye, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> like I wish doesn't... people need to understand that like all of this where they're like, Oh, you're so you're coming up with new things or you're uh, you know, setting a new wave or you're very creative in the way that you handle things. I'm a lazy person. Okay. I'll admit <laughs> it out loud and functionally the creativity comes from me finding the most utility way to get something done and the best way to get it done where I'm not getting messed up. So I, I think that sometimes they have to understand that like, if you, if you think I'm being too nice to you, if you think I'm being mean to you, if you think something's up, you're only getting the real version of me because the laziness in me says, I don't have time to put up any fronts. I just can't do it anymore. And uh, Effie is fine, but y'all got to start trusting that I'm a proven commodity at this point. This isn't, I'm not coming to shake your hand because you have a, a, a cable show that gets 200,000 viewers a week. I don't care if you're not better or more understanding of wrestling than me, then you should come up to me respectfully because none of y'all really know what's going on anymore. There are not people who are being able to create sort of a, a demand or people to show up specifically for them. Wrestling is drawing more. Things are drawing more about wrestling. But when we're talking about stars that aren't signed up to a company or stuck to a contract or somewhere, there aren't a lot of cats out here that are doing what I'm doing. You can look at the meet and greet lines. You can look at the merch. And I don't want to come across, this isn't me like, oh, I'm a big dick here, but I'm, I'm proud of what I've been able to accomplish. I haven't bent my knee at all. And now the payoff is sort of, you know, proof in the pudding where I'm getting bigger opportunities. I'm showing up at bigger places. I'm constantly being booked more. And every time you got to show up and prove that Effie is worth that money and worth that time. And because of that, once again, 
that's why you're going to get the effie you get because I'm showing up as me. I can't do anything more than that with the schedule I'm running right now. And honestly, I don't know if anybody really would want uh, anything other than authentic effie at this point. And you bring, you mentioned the run that you've been on over the past year. Like we're coming up on the the year mark of the uh, the first like proper Mania Week Big Gay Brunch, obviously. Um, yes. And and in between that time. You have been on, as, as you describe, a Terry Funk-esque run um, yeah. in terms of, on the indie circuit. Like, you popped up in so many places. It seems like you're always, like, rushing to get on a, on a plane somewhere. You've made such a mark in GCW that you're being, you have been put into programs with people like Matt Cardona, the Jeff Jarrett Hammerstein show. Like, it just seems like you are just hitting on all cylinders and it's going nonstop for you over the past year or so. Let me go back to the Terry Funk part of the statement because Terry Funk is a wrestler that you can look up a match and basically find him against anyone of any style of any type at any place in any way. And so I want to have that ability as a wrestler to show up and not only be able to put on a match that's good and people can have whatever opinion on my matches that they want, but I want to have something where people can sink their teeth in a little deeper, where there is a, a more nuanced narrative, or there is something where we're reaching for a little more of a, a human kind of uh, film level uh, narrative versus I think you're good. You think I'm good. We're going to fight to find out, which in itself is a story. But when we have literally unlimited possibilities of how we will tell a tale of friction between two parties or more, uh, I've really enjoyed being able to open that up with so many opponents with so much experience in wrestling. I mean, you bring up Cardona, but like Ricky Morton, Two Cold Scorpio, then they tagged up and I fought Ricky Morton and Two Cold Scorpio with my pussy sister, Allie. <laughs> and those kind of moments to come in and say, you know, Ricky Morton, I'll be honest, he asked me one time and uh, he phrased it this way. He said, do you ever think about toning it down? And I said, Ricky, I don't want to be poor. If I was <laughs> toning it down, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. I'd be putting on my little trunks and talking about grappling and doing a wrist lock and posing like this and pretending to be tough versus just authentically being myself. And the path has been long, but the effie you get here, you can go back and ask people in South Georgia. It's the same effie with much better skills and a little more distribution, but the attitude has not shifted in me. And I hope that that continues to pay dividends and continues to show other people that like, Hey, um, I don't think anyone's ever become a multimillionaire in wrestling by following the rules. Go down the list and see who really followed the rules and made that much. And maybe today is a different story, but also financially, I find out that wrestlers lie to each other all the time about how much money they make. And that's the last person you should be bullshitting as someone who is your coworker. <laughs> Completely agree. Completely agree on that, that on that last point for sure. I like like you mentioned, like I, I bring up Cardona and, and Jared because I think those are like the two most high profile that you've had. But for sure, but you're right. You've had a, a lot of very interesting and high profile opponents in between there as well. You bring up uh, Ricky Morton and Scorpio, not to mention like we can't forget you and Jake Atlas at Big Gay Brunch in Chicago. Absolutely. Um, like it's just. Also, it's just... I want to mention Psycho Clown because this is yes. another funny one. <laughs> Psycho Clown's like a really big deal in Mexico. And I was kind of surprised to see the match pop up. And I'll tell you this, I don't want to put anybody under the bus, but he did not want to have anything to do with me when he got there. And after the meet and greet, when he saw that everybody in the room was excited to see Effie and Psycho Clown, it was a whole different story. And 
on a human level, if Taylor was just talking to you, that's exhausting every time that you don't do a little research and figure out what you're getting into. But I also understand it. And maybe it's more of an earned recognition after that because they have felt it in person and they have understood it themselves versus someone else just telling them. And I like the idea that, hey, now I do have a path into Mexican wrestling. Now I do have a path into, you know, the, the Scorpio legendary wrestling. I want to be able to show up and show out whether it's somebody they say, hey, we need you to get somebody over who's been working for a year or so. Or they say, hey, you know, this guy can't do what he used to, but he has such a plethora and history and knowledge of wrestling that I think you two would be great together. Effie just Effie wants to give you the best of wrestling. I've always been a caricature of all parts of pro wrestling. And now I'm getting to sort of prove that not only to myself, but sort of everyone else. And caricature is not a bad thing. Just no. means you're big at everything, baby. Exactly. And I think, honestly, two matches from, from this run that I feel like personally kind of signify that idea of caricature in a way are, one, your match with Jake at, at the Big Gay Bunch in Chicago, yeah. but also the last Daddy Standing match with Pero at No Peace last June. Oh, my um, God. I, <laughs> I just thought about that whole weekend just in a flash again. Yeah. <laughs> and that was my first of three matches that weekend. I remember. Yeah. It was it was an incredible time. You know, I've known Pero since I mean back in Florida days when he wasn't quite Pero yet. And we don't even have to get into that. And seeing him go from wanting to be respected and acknowledged as not only a gay man, but also a pro wrestler to now sort of saying, I'm going to take whatever the fuck I want. And I am a monster. You know, it backfired on me by getting attacked, but as long as I can keep him, you know, close enough around me, there's so much that Pero can bring to the world of all of wrestling, but especially when I see him and the way that he sets up uh, his narratives, even in beating someone up in the end when they do not survive him, much like I did not, uh, they come out a different wrestler. They come out with an earned respect because he is a towering human being, gay or not. And so you want to talk about big men in wrestling, hosses in wrestling, not only is he big and he's going to hit you with it, but he also understands what we're doing here in a bigger sense. And to see him own the monstrosity of it and not let anyone push him around, it's magic. And to work with him on a stage like that, where people already have their thoughts on gay wrestling, and then people already have their thoughts on no ring or deathmatch wrestling. And we're saying, fuck you, we're doing it all. It's a very cool moment. I mean, it crashed IWTV. There were over, you know, 6,300 tweets during the Fear the Gay Agenda event. We opened the show with preachers damning us to uh, to hell for being homosexuals, just to show you that we don't give a fuck. Say what you want, throw your beliefs at us. We're going to passionately move forward in our art. We're gonna tell the stories we wanna take. And if you wanna jump in, jump in. And luckily people are finding out that the water's pretty warm once you get in there. Not cause we peed, unless <laughs> you're, you know, consent. Yeah, exactly. No, I, that's the vibe I, I got from the Fear the Gay Agenda show as a whole. But like that last Eddie Standing match was a spectacle. There's a reason why it won our uh, fan poll for uh, QWI match of the year last year. Incredible. It was just amazing. Amazing. Not only was it an amazing like match in terms of the action, but the storytelling of it too, which you don't always get in deathmatch or is usually like a common like kind of pithy uh comment thrown towards deathmatch wrestling which honestly is so undue like deathmatch wrestling is storytelling in and of itself in a lot of times but and it's it's no different than what humans have been watching and wanting to watch for thousands and thousands of years you know even pre-gladiator days not that 
I wish they would have understood kayfabe. It would have saved a lot of motherfuckers. But <laughs> uh, we have an aversion, in a sense, to horror and scary and blood and guts and gore because evolutionarily, when we see these things, it means we are in danger or close to death. But seeing that people have come into our world, and it turns out a lot of the people that hate deathmatch aren't actually watching or or participating in any deathmatch. Seeing people who don't think they would enjoy it come in because of that gay narrative or come in because how is this performer doing this? Um, that's magic. And, you know, I'm never, I'm not going to ever run from a fight, but I do at these days limit a little bit how much deathmatch I do. Uh, here's a funny, can I say a funny story real quick? Go for it. We, we uh, did a show for Jimmy Lloyd's birthday and Jimmy Lloyd put me against Jimmy Jacobs. And Jimmy Lloyd had told both of us separately that the other was excited to use panes of glass and when we had the conversation, he said, I heard you were really excited to use panes of glass. And I said, I heard you were really excited to use panes of glass. And then we decided we would just use a door because there's enough of that shit out there. Uh, sometimes you save your life and save yourself. But we almost got we almost got Jimmy Lloyd in there. But I love Jimmy Lloyd. That's not a it's never a dig at Jimmy Lloyd. It's the funniest thing. I said, what a promoter. What a promoter <laughs> on his own birthday. He could have just told us he wanted the panes of glass. Then we couldn't have argued with it. Yeah. No, uh, that's <laughs> that is that is interesting just to kind of see the machinations there. Yeah, it's magic. And that one's a little that's like a fun little game on your friends, but yeah, you're a real promoter don't play tricks. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um and honestly, like I do want to talk about the big gay brunch that we have coming up, but I really want to ask you before we get there about the last one that we saw in Chicago. Um, because I feel like your match with Jake. I mean, the whole card really had a lot of awesome moments, you know, from Pero and Jordan Blade just winning over the crowd the way they did. Um, the whole Bill Dixon straight Bill saga that we saw play out there. Jay Vidal yes. launching himself off of like <laughs> too many high places. They're um, understanding what I want from them, which is a fucking insano carnival yes. of gay, crazy, violent energy. <laughs> and I think I've said this before, like when I've chatted with people at the shows, if you look at all the advertising for the shows, it's very gay and sparkle and rainbow and um, exciting and smiling. And then you watch the actual show and it is violent and crazy and insane. And the wrestling skill is very high and of all calibers and different styles. And so I like kind of sneaking that in. Hey, come to the gay party. Also, hey, we actually had some of the best wrestling of the weekend here too. And we took some weird story risks. Having not only, you know, Bill Dixon out there doing straight Bill, but then having AJ Gray, of course, on Twitter, poking fun at the whole SGC thing, saying he would now be BJ Gay. And, and the friendship between Billy Dixon and AJ Gray is tight. They are the tightest of friends and I love both of them and I'm friends with both of them. And to see like, hey, here's my guys from SGC who, oh, you've got a straight guy on the show, but they're some of the best tag wrestlers in the world. And I can put, put them in the situation where they get to shine where no one else may have put them in that same situation to do it. That's the magic of the Big Gay Brunch is not only do we get to highlight all of these new wrestlers that are coming up, which my only complaint now is like, I can't just run a big gay brunch every weekend because there are so many talented members of the LGBTQIA two spirit plus community. I want to include everyone uh, that we want to get on shows that we want to have out there. And this COVID thing has been tough and running shows during that COVID thing has been tough. And as we sort of started to turn a vaccination corner and get there, the numbers have gone up and the streams have gone up and the visibility and tickets have gone up. And now, you know, that Chicago show is a real cementing point because I'm, I'm 
fairly certain I can tell you with confidence that the only show that outdrew us was the war game show, which I was also on. And that was a whole nother caliber of event, but we ran in the morning. We ran before a major event. We ran at a time where people have been watching wrestling all weekend and they came and supported like they hadn't before because there's a, a bit more safety to coming now. And because of that, I think you're fired up, not only as someone who's promoting the show, but being on a show like that where here's people who've seen me all weekend. And now I get to go out and have the last match of the weekend. I also had the first match of the weekend and I get to do it with someone who had had lost a bit of their faith in wrestling and had lost a bit of the faith in the system. And we had spoken, me and Jake Alice had spoken back at the uh, Tampa WrestleMania and we'd had a conversation. And, you know, as soon as I could get to him, I said, I'd, I'd love to have you on the show and having a bit of hesitation from him to even do it, you know, thinking, uh, uh, maybe Effie's just trying to use me here. Maybe Effie's just trying to do this. So I said, I will meet every demand you have. I will make sure you have everything you need. And we brought it and we brought an incredible match and we brought something magical. And, you know, I know he's working on his knee rehab now, but he signed to AEW. I hope it helped spark something back. I hope it helped put him back in a position. We fought before he got signed and we fought after he got signed. And I'll tell you this, I've never been hit harder by a person, but I've also never felt more passion from a person in the ring because Jake Atlas truly believes in the matches he has. He believes in what he's doing there. And he believes in, in representing the truest version of himself, which he is a gay man. He is a wrestler. He is a gay wrestler, whether, you know, however you want to put it, but he is also Jake Atlas. And there is the segmentation that we get as gay wrestlers, right? Gay, yeah. trans, lesbian, bi, all of us. We're over here, the pansexuals too. Everybody bring it in we are very different and to put the label on us is is something we have to do to let you know that we're out here and we exist but once you're in the mix of it you can't tell the difference and we get to put a highlight on these people and i think the first the second the third event the biggest thing for me has been seeing that i can use my power for good i can put people in a position where they can shine they do the work but I at least can give them the stage and I see it pay off afterwards. And I see them show up at new companies and new places. And I see the rest of the world get on the fucking page with how talented and how incredible these performers are. And so now it's like, it was easier even this year to put together the show because I want to highlight the people that have been with me and been putting in the work since we were in those pandemic shows when we didn't have no money and we're trying our best. Now we are bringing new people in the fold. We are bringing more legends into the fold. Pimpinella Escarlata, my God. Yes. I mean, I'm sad because Cassandra couldn't make the shows on another show. And that's incredible. Like, go go get your money, Cassandra. But when I found out that Pimpinella Escarlata was available, I called dibs because not only am I such a fan of the Exoticas and what they have overcome, hearing Cassandra talk about, oh, they used to just throw batteries at me and try to chase me down the street with knives after the shows. And, and be casual about it in that, yeah, and I dealt with it and I fought for it and it's magic. Pimpinella, my favorite thing other than Pimpinella matches is Pimpinella will fuck you up. If you <laughs> fuck with Pimpinella, Pimpinella will just run out of the crowd and fuck you up. And the magic of seeing perfect coiffed hair, makeup, candy kisses, I believe is what she said in the promo, uh, with, with all of the accessory, also be able to kick your ass. Like that's the core of what I want. I want the beauty, the fashion, the entrance, the reverence, the fun, but I also want us to know that we can destroy you if we want. The new joke I've said is gay bashing. Why would I worry about the gays bashing? We're going to beat your ass. <laughs> I you mean, should be worried. I mean, there's a reason why the, the, the Exotico is like Cassandra and Pipinella 
are the foundation of the LGBTQ pro wrestling movement as we see it now. Like it very much has that idea of, you know, we're taking our place now and, and no one's going to like wrestle this away from us. And if you want to like be negative about it, like that's fine. We'll just body. you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even body in a bigger sense of like, Hey, if you think you don't, if, if what we're doing isn't for you, if you don't like what we're doing, then go do better. Why isn't your show, show drawing if, if uh, you know, everybody loves everybody on the show? It's, it's a magic that wrestling is funded and formulated in a capitalistic way, unfortunately, in where we live now. But that's the game the world plays. And what I'm finding is the only way that you can move those people, move those needles and change what they're doing is to do it better than them. And then they copy you. So if I die without any credit of anything I've done, who cares? Because I'm at least starting to see things where I can go, hey, I may have had a little part in that. And that's enough for me to know that I've actually gone in there and been able to push the bubble. I started being a wrestler because I didn't know what was real anymore, man. I didn't know. I took too much hallucinogens and I didn't know what was real. And I said, well, let me go poke this thing. If I think John Cena is a green screen, let me go poke this thing. And I'm getting to see like, yo, you, you've been poking and it works. It works. And I want other people to be able to poke, you know, as much as they can. It's not sacred. Wrestling is beautiful. It's magic. It's a sacred space in a sense for yourself, but there's nobody who's going to tell me that I can't do something in wrestling uh, because what it sounds like to me is they're scared that their ideas will be even worse after I'm done, you know? <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, if wrestling is a malleable thing and it has real, no true definition. It, it kind of all de derives from how you personally see it and how you can form that in, into something that, that you can be proud of as well. Totally, like, yeah, completely understand that point. I want to go back to the match with Jake just for a second because oh, please. I feel like Jake coming off of that, that run up north uh, with WWE or rather down south since he was in NXT. Um, that run, like obviously, like he spoke about the mental health struggles that he had and, and a lot of the issues that he had while there. And I thought it was almost like serendipitous that his first match back on the indie scene was going to be with you at this big gay brunch show because jake atlas as a as a figure feels like he and this is my own personal take on it just from like watching things from afar it feels like he kind of missed out on the boom of you know queer identities in pro wrestling in a way because like whenever he signed with wwe was right around the time when everything started really kind of bubbling up in a larger like public view way you know, with people like you and Billy Dixon and, and a number of other people kind of promoting shows or, or, or just putting putting a stamp on what um, what queer identities in pro wrestling can do and can be. Um, and it really felt like Jake had not truly had that moment for people to recognize the work that he had put in for that as well. And yeah. it really warmed my heart to see the fan response during his entrance that day. Um, people love him still and I think even if we I want to zoom out on it a little bit because in yeah. a bigger sense you know when he was signing that contract we're sort of entering into the COVID era soon after we're sort of in a strange place and indie wrestling is stubborn as shit and because of that we maintained through a period where a lot of people you know weren't able to maintain or where there wasn't as much going on and when you look at the corporate structure of WWE during the whole pandemic, it was cut, 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 cut. And what we had was no cuts out here. We didn't have rules. We didn't have TV restrictions. And there was sort of a level playing field that has helped out the independent scene a lot because 
WrestleMania was in a warehouse, folks. It was in a warehouse in Orlando. And so when they want to say, oh, well, you're going to go back to working bingo halls, at least the bingo halls have like accessible wall paint. You know, there's there's little things that we started noticing as indie people where I think it gave us a power, gave us a strength that anybody in that situation would have had. And before this time that we hit in this pandemic where the indies sort of changed, the indies were a bit of just a, hey, hit each level, get the matches in you need, and then go sign for the money. And it, it makes sense to do that. And those of us that were too stubborn to even consider it or too stubborn to at least say that they would put on a mask and a tutu and play whatever character they needed, we just fought it out here. And I, I hope that he still gets to return to doing some indies and doing some of that. But I think with this AEW run, from what I understand and what I hear, as he returns and as he is back, there's a lot more open space there and open freedom and open discussion versus if I bring an idea to this guy, he'll bring it to Triple H and they'll bring it to the office and then they'll bring back something that's a watered down version of everything I said and it doesn't sound good at all anymore. I want I want wrestlers at all levels and all places to feel that same sort of empowering like this is my art, this is what I can do. But I don't think I don't think Jake Atlas would be Jake Atlas today if he didn't have to go through some of that stuff that he dealt with and seeing the inside of the machine where the sausage is made, sometimes that's the only way you're going to learn for yourself that maybe you need to go to a different factory, you know? Yeah, no, I completely understand that. I mean, it, we all are kind of a amalgamation of our experiences. And, and sometimes you just need to kind of be faced with something like that and, and overcome it in, in that way. And it's, I'm glad to see that Jake is doing well yeah. you know, with AEW. And everything. Sorry, we, I've been I've been chatting with him just through his because he tore his knee up, you know, right as he yeah. debuted, right as he got in there, and to see kind of the support from AEW for that, and then to see how motivated he is. He's already in his rehab. He's weeks ahead. He's doing his stuff. It's awesome to see that he is motivated and focused just on a personal level. Like as a person, I consider a friend. You know, you don't get to see these people all the time, but when you're checking in with them and seeing, you know, their growth, it's awesome. It's really sick. Yeah, it really is. Um, well, I feel like we need to talk about Hammerstein for a second. Please. Oh. Because. <laughs> no, listen, and Hammerstein was fanta- a fantastic experience overall. Yes. No, it, it seemed like it was, honestly, because obviously the show was built up as like the, the largest GCW show that we've seen, the most significant GCW show that we've seen. Um, and it really, it carried that air into it, uh, at least from like my perspective, watching it at home. Um, but Hamperstein has a long history in pro wrestling, obviously we don't have to get into all of that really, but for you, what was the significance of being able to perform at the Hamperstein in that way, much less against someone like Jeff Jarrett? <laughs> yeah, Jeff Jarrett, man. Um, <laughs> What a what a mystery of a human being that I'm still trying to figure out. And I allegedly he thinks he's just like done after that. He like put me over on his podcast and was like, "Oh yeah, Effie's over. Okay, next topic. All right." <laughs> and I'm like, "Dog, like you hit me with a guitar and then you smash my face again with a guitar. I got There's got to be some. I got to at least be able to prove myself again at some point. But doing it in Hammerstein, I'll say this: the the thing that truly stuck with me was that it didn't feel out of place. It didn't feel weird for me to walk out into a room that large. It didn't feel crazy for me to walk out in front of a crowd that thought I was cool. And I don't mean that in a sense of like, oh, of course, there's a big room and there's this. But I think there's that little bit of fear in the mind of a a performer as they grow of, 
well, maybe I'm just built for the bingo halls, or maybe I just work in a, in a smaller environment. And to see that we were able to translate that to a larger room, a larger audience online, to a lot of press and uh, gained a lot of followers off that one, which is awesome. To know that people are just finding out about Effie and that I can comfortably walk into a space like that where they are allowed to come in and do that. It's really awesome and really magic. And it kind of motivates you even more to go like, hey, it took us a while to get to this point, but this is accessible. I will say that the the, the next match I had after Hammerside was, um, it was in the Loco Arena in Houston, which if you're not familiar, it's down a dirt road and it used to be a junkyard. No offense to anyone at the Loco Arena. It's a magical place to watch wrestling. It's very loud, the metal doors, but it is as indie as they fucking indie. And going from a, you know, oh, there's over 2000 people here to like, oh, here we are. We're in the coldest room you've ever been in. And uh, it's the floor is concrete. How is Hammerstein? Were you having fun? Because this is a whole nother day. It motivates you to go like, hey, man, every show I think could be like this. Every show could could work to this. And with GCW, we've seen growth where in Detroit, we've moved to a larger venue. In L.A., I think we're going to have to move to a larger venue. We're finding bigger spaces. We're enjoying bigger spaces and more people are enjoying us. And it feels right. It feels like where we're supposed to be. And, you know, people have their opinions on the show because of the booking or because of this and that. But the first time a director makes a studio film, sometimes the studio changes the finish to put it out on the screens. But it's still your film and it's still what you put out for the most part. And to, you know, put a throwaway on something, you know, and not just my match, talking about people were disappointed that Ali Catch, you know, lost her match with Ruby Soho. People were disappointed, I think, uh, that Joey Janela lost. They might not be disappointed anymore, but I think it was a tough spot to be in as a promoter and as a, a person in wrestling. But I think we did the best with the material that we could. And I, I think that the real people, I've seen the comments online and you want to go, oh, I should take that to heart. But then at every show I've gone to, everyone's come up and said, you and Jarrett was incredible. You and Jarrett was so badass. You know, sorry, you lost, but that was such a cool moment. I've never seen anyone no sell a guitar from him. I've never seen anyone take a stroke in a guitar from him to be able to be in that moment. It's it's awesome. And the more people that tell me it was cool, the cooler I'll believe it is. <laughs> Just that that positive feedback loop. Yeah. Let me know. <laughs> It was it was a very cool uh, show, honestly. Like the environment, like was was very. It felt very like GCW, but just on a larger stage, honestly. And I think that's the highest compliment you can give, considering like where GCW has come from and the attitude that is that kind of runs through that company there as well. Yeah, it's we are crazy outlaws, and I think you know the growing pains of being wild, crazy road outlaws. There's a hunger in GCW where we look at each other. We go, hey, we, there's no stopping. There's no stopping. This train is big and let's go. But we're also checking in on each other more. We're making sure we're comfortable on the road. This is a life right now that a lot of us jumped into in a crazy time in a pandemic. And obviously, I've been wrestling every weekend since, you know, 2014 or 15 for the most part. But this is a different sort of travel schedule and emotional pull schedule. I mean, I love having a meet and greet line out the door, but I would be lying to you if I said that at the end of talking to people for two or three hours, because I'm not going to leave anybody hanging it. You need a moment of peace. You need a moment of comfort. And sometimes it's not, Hey, let's go to the after party. It's, Hey, we should all sit down and eat a sandwich and talk about what we dealt with and talk about our lives for a second. And then maybe see where we're going. It's, we are taking everything on at once. I think the biggest stuff is ahead of us. We're starting to take even more risks. I know with Las Vegas upcoming that uh, you can expect to hear some gay ass news. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a big time. It's a daunting task, but we're all, we're all 
trying to operate more as a family and more as, uh, you know, a, a, a core group, at least where we can look at each other and kind of understand what's going on. Cause we do have people in and out the door a lot with GCW, but you can kind of see there are people we work with on a regular basis that are going to the towns and going to the places. And we've got to kind of check on each other, especially like when we've been on the road with cats like Nick Wayne, who is 16, seeing guys like Jordan Oliver and KG um, and I mean, myself step up and just sort of provide a little guidance and make sure you can get to the airport and know how to get a, a car pulled to you. It's cool to see that like, 10 years ago, I don't know how well 15 and 16 year olds would have been treated in wrestling, but now, you know, we've got a closer eye to things. And that's unfortunately part of that is because of previous experiences in wrestling and things like this, the whole speaking out, which it's not a movement. It's, it's speaking out as people just having courage to have a conversation. So we're working in a little more mindfulness than they expect, but we're also still punk rock, crazy outlaws. And we're out here living the lifestyle and it beats your body up getting thrown through tables and doors or bleeding and then getting on a plane in a pressurized cabin. I'm sure y'all think, Oh, Effie, he's on all these flights. What a cool life. It's not good for my neck. The chiropractor keeps having to pull the strap out, but I, you know, that's a worthy investment. I'll tell you. Yeah, no, I can imagine. And I, I, I feel like sometimes like, you know, GCW does get that um, kind of moniker of the punk rock moniker in a way, but I think a lot of people don't understand like, that mindfulness, that like appreciation for one another is also a core tenet of punk rock. So like, of course that would be woven into like what we see in, in terms of like how the GCW locker room interacts with one another yeah, in that way. For sure. And, and I mean, music has had the same struggles and hurdles and, you know, I think the best bands that last the longest are the ones that take the time to check in, take the time to say, Hey, if you need a break, you need a break. It's, I think what's magic right now about watching Brett book these shows and put things together is everybody believes that Tony Khan is the guy who has the unlimited magic and this and that, but he still answers to TNT at the end of the day. He can put whatever he wants on YouTube. He can do what he wants. But with Brett, he has opened this magic world. And Joey Janela has been there on that ride, creating this magic where as wrestling fans, you're getting to see things that would never be possible before or never were even considered to be possible where people from multiple companies can come in and out where uh old superstars new superstars people international foreign deathmatch it's such a wild mix and it's sort of an unlimited thing now where i think that excitement level of we can create the best wrestling we can create the most exciting wrestling and we can create the wrestling that we would want to watch that's that's sort of a, a real I don't know. It's a real motivational thing, I think. And to watch the way the booking has grown from that has been, it's been good for me because I've, I've proven my, my place there. But also I think it's been good for a lot of people because they get put in situations that they never imagined, you know, and hopefully no, I, it affects right. the rest of the Indies too. I know Black Label Pro is masterful at putting together just the bonkers weirdo <laughs> legend matches too. <laughs> no, the, that is very, very on point, honestly, and and it does speak to to the the freedom that that GCW has and, and flexibility that you see in the booking there. Um, and I do want to talk about that because there's a, a match coming up for you specifically um, over WrestleMania week that speaks to that entire point. But before we get there, one last thing on Hammerstein, real quick, um, because <laughs> one thing that I think that one one moment that popped up that. Uh, kind of like drew, I think, um, at least it drew like a bit of a chuckle from me um, and, and reactions online too, was Brett's like opening speech whenever he said, uh, you know, we're making like wrestling gay as fuck. 
um, to paraphrase um, in that way. Uh, was is that you obviously have a good relationship with Brett? You wouldn't be doing these big gay brunch shows unless you had that relationship with Brett. What did it make you? How did you feel? Whatever, like you heard about that moment there. Like, what does that say in terms of like the commitment that you have from Brett to kind of building out this big gay brunch brand? Yeah, I think what people don't understand, and you know, I my relationship with Brett is incredible right now because we're working hand in hand, and there's a level of trust we've built with each other that's kind of awesome. And to see us go from the first big gay brunch I booked where I'm not used to people from New Jersey all the time. I'm just going to say that like Philly, New Jersey, people have a different, and I've learned, I've learned so much, but he would sort of question me on everything or want explanations on everything or want to really understand what I was telling him on stuff, because I'm saying ridiculous stuff and I'm not a proven full commodity yet on this. And to see how he has grown to understanding things and and learning about the community and learning about where maybe he's misstepped or maybe things are different than he thought it's really encouraging and it's really awesome and to see how fired up he is because he's getting not only like look at look across the gcw shows and what you're going to see is people i've brought in for these big gay brunches have been used in a lot of other capacities which is incredible and i even think of like billy dixon getting in on commentary on more of these jcw shows and more of the shows around that weekend that has been so important because Billy Dixon's really good at commentary. So to open Brett's eyes to these new talents and new wrestlers and to sort of reach outside of where his normal reach would be, it's it's indicative of a future in wrestling where more people who are not like us necessarily kind of are willing to understand us and willing to come in and say, I think you know this better than I do. I want to learn more about it. I think I have skills and you have skills that would work well together where am I missing out? Where am I wrong? What do I need to know? And there's an openness to that, that like, that's the, that's how we grow as humans together, you know? Yeah. It's awesome. No, that's good to hear. I'm obviously we, we've been watching that progress happen more and more. And I think it's, you, you notice it, it might not be going as fast as some people might want, but it's definitely growing more. I mean, obviously. Yeah. The- if they wanted to go faster, they can pitch in. <laughs> if, if more of you gays want to run some shows. God bless my heart. Thank you, Billy Dixon, for Paris is bumping. I love you. More gays run shows, please. God, Dark Chic Hood Slam has always been queer friendly. She has always led the the charge of having uh, women, LGBTQ wrestlers, wrestlers of all types, genders, styles, religions. I want more of that. I want more people taking the horn up. If they want, if they want more progress, hey, baby, there's only 24 hours in a day for Effie, and I'm maximizing, honey. So let's maximize together. <laughs> All right, Yens, thank you so much for tuning in to LGBT in the Ring. Uh, we'll get right back into the thick of things, but I do want to take a pause real quick and say thank you to some amazing people that make this show as rad as it is. Starting off with Daniel Quasar, the Progress Pride Black designed by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at Quasar.digital. A big thank you to Sarah in the Safe Word for the show's theme song, Formula 666, off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Um, check out independentwrestling.tv for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. Uh, you can use our promo code LGBTRingPod or visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and peruse their entire library uh, over there at independentwrestling.tv. Once again, promo code LGBTRingPod or go to tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT 
check out that service. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at LGBT RingPod. You can follow me on Twitter at WonderboyOTM. And if you're into video games, definitely check out my video game news show, the Mr. Video Game Super Show. I co-host that with uh, Twitch streamers Slacker Kite and Lady Merwin every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over on twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Uh, it's your weekly roundup of gaming news, uh, and it's always a blast. So once again, check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Sun like the star. We'll be right back with more LGBT in the ring. All right, we got to go back to Suzuki, don't we? Yes, we do. We have to go. You are facing the fucking murder daddy himself. Uh-huh. Minoru Here's Suzuki. the thing. I don't know. How deep do I get in on this? <laughs> I, I will say this. The only person who has been disappointed in Minoru Suzuki's U.S. run so far, other than Minoru Suzuki, is Effie. Okay? Mm. And you're going, what? How could you be? He's wrestled all these incredible matches. Of course he has. But... There is something that wrestlers forget in wrestling, and not all of them forget it, and I'm going to get heat and shade for this, and they can all talk all their shit while they sit at home. I don't care. Minoru Suzuki is a very versatile performer. Now, he has a scary reputation. He is a shooter. He will, he will kill you if he wants to kill you. Um, but I also think that he is someone who loves pro wrestling in the similar way that I do, which is that it can be dead serious it can be very silly it can be emotional it can be fun it can be exciting it can be nerve-wracking it can be all of these things and it doesn't have to be all of them at once but it also can and to see him sort of go through the matches that he had while he was here and to spend as much time with him as i did in those shows we sort of almost garnered a, a weird and i might be overreaching but sort of a weird relationship where there was a comfort with us where he knew I knew where the smoke spots were. He knew I knew where, where the stuff was. He knew I knew where to get the goods. And he also got to sit there while my pops were happening. And while I was making entrances next to where he's sitting and changing, and he's a guy who's been in wrestling a while. And I think he looked up and I think he noticed, I think he heard. And for this to happen, uh, it, it took a long road and it's a weird spot. And I think the first thought everybody had was why isn't Orange Cassidy and, uh, you know, Suzuki happening. But the second thing I would say is if I owned a bunch of vases that were worth $500,000 and someone kept breaking the vases, I'd probably start keeping my vases in the museum instead of letting them go out on the road and work indies all the fucking time. So <laughs> I understand why matches like that can't happen at this moment, but I get to step up and prove my place. And I get to step up and prove in wrestling at a global scale that like, hey, you know, New Japan probably wouldn't call me because I'm a homosexual, wild style, can't be contained person. And, you know, maybe I wouldn't do great on AEW TV with PG censors and having to tolerate Chris Jericho being a fucking human. Maybe uh, this is a magical way for the world to say, hey, he said that he was a wrestler. He said he was a fighter. He said he could do it because when I tap that old fucker out in the middle of the ring, the world is going to know that I was never playing games. When I beat up a kid, everybody called me a dipshit. And then one of the guys who called me a dipshit did commentary with me, main event at a GCW show, Hall of Famer, I think almost three times. So there is a, there is a difference to just getting a match with Suzuki and having a match that is complete of what you can get in Suzuki. And I think that I'm the one that can do it. I mean, knowing Suzuki's history and, and, and what he has done in pro wrestling, like to, to me, like when I saw that match announcement, it just clicked because like 
yes, like you said before, like he is a shooter. He is a killer. He can like end you anytime he wants to. End yeah, you. I watched one of his matches the other day that was just him and the other dude hitting each other. That's the whole match. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I was entertained. I was entertained. It's very entertaining. But also, like, I think sometimes people forget about, like, how goofy and how, like, silly Minoru Suzuki can get. You know, like, I we I hear on the show, like, every Thanksgiving we do, like, a special episode where me and my partner sit down and watch, like, just some random match off a of fan suggestion. And um, one of the one of our uh, fans suggested uh, Suzuki versus Mecha Mummy. Um, this time around, which Great. I mean, it's so good. <laughs> it's so it's so good and so dumb, but in the best way possible. And it still it still accentuates everything that that Suzuki has going for him in terms of a pro wrestling match. Yeah, and that that spirit though, I think, is people confuse that spirit because to me, when you're able to be goofy and able to be serious, uh, you know, what comes to mind first for me is a guy like Suzuki or someone like Eddie Kingston or someone like a John Moxley, where they are tough enough bastards that they're allowed to have fun if they want. And they know that while they're having fun, if you want to mess with the fun, they could snap your neck if they felt like it. But also right now is the time for fun. I'll fight you later. And there's sort of that magical confidence to that that's the opposite really of a, a toxic masculinity like it's kind of a positive masculinity of like well yeah i'll dress up with my kids as a princess you know lady what is her name from frozen i don't know lady elsa and then i'll go do an mma match like both worlds can exist both worlds are magic and both versions of that uh display a toughness and i hope that i can fall in a similar category where they go isn't he that goofy boy isn't he real silly and i go yeah because i could beat your ass if you have a problem with me being silly there's, there's a magic to that that i think is desirable no I, I i agree completely honestly i think that's one of the things that makes you and and other wrestlers that kind of follow that mindset much more dynamic is that sometimes you never know what you're going to get necessarily uh, yeah. whatever, whatever you're in the ring <laughs> to me at its core. And this is going to really fuck some people up. You know, pro wrestling is supposed to be a simulation of a combat that occurred. Right. And for me, if you're fighting Effie, guess what? I don't even, I'm not that motivated to kick your ass out the do out the door and out the gate. And later I might want to just fuck with you and make you look like an idiot in front of everyone in the middle of this conflict. And both of those things are valid. And for people to think that pro wrestling is supposed to be something really, they just think pro wrestling is an imitation of pro wrestling and everyone works the same. They're all smooth. It's like Minoru Suzuki said, I don't want the wrestler who is perfect at everything. I want the wrestler who has flaws, who has holes, who's overconfident, who can't do well in this situation, but can prime in this one. We're being trained to be the same performer everywhere. We're being trained to fit to a certain match everywhere. We are not being trained to explore and go weird and take risks and fuck up or try something that doesn't work. Um, because those are the moments where I found the best things that do work is when you go in and, and things shift or things change and you're able to just do what you do in the ring and be an artist and fill in the blanks versus worrying that, you know, some mid card producer is going to kick your ass in the back because you went over 30 seconds and forgot the hope spot. You know what I mean? What an yeah. embarrassing thing to have to deal with. <laughs> what kind of personal significance is it for you to be chosen as the person to wrestle Minoru Suzuki uh, at spring break? This is where I'm going to, I've been saying, don't call me a diva, but I think I'm finding out I'm a fucking diva. <laughs> I didn't ask for it. Hmm. 
At no point have I ever suggested that I be in a ring with Suzuki. At no point have I ever suggested there be an Effie Suzuki match. At no point have I ever made any hint or reference to the fact that I would be interested in such a thing. This was given to me because I had proven myself in other ways and I was uh, the right person to go in and do this match. And I think that as a point of personal significance, I've been a stubborn bastard for a long time. My parents said I've been stubborn since I was six months old and started talking and I haven't stopped since. I don't bend the knee anymore. And I'm starting to see more and more that that's the only way to be. Don't bend your knee. And it takes a little longer, but Effie has continually been Effie and Effie has gotten Effie things because of uh, not any other reason than just doing Effie. And that fucking rules. <laughs> it's sick. It's a, it's a fucking mantra. I swear. Yeah. <laughs> I always joke. I say, I hope my last words on my deathbed are at least I pop myself, brother, because I do this all truly to pop me. And you're going, but you said it's about entertaining the people. It is. And what I have found is by popping myself, more people jump in because there's an authenticity to doing what your heart is telling you versus listening to Billy Gunn or whatever else is going on backstage. No shade, y'all. But, you know, <laughs> if you didn't main event a WrestleMania, it's real hard for me to take advice from you. Why well, are speak- you still here? You know? <laughs> Speaking of shade, let's get to uh, the actual card we have for April 1st with the Please. BK brunch. Because, you know, this is the, the fourth one. And once again, we're, we're not we're pulling out all the stops. I hope. For another show. I, I have, I'm not worried about anybody else on the card but me. I just, you know, there's 11 hours between the show where I fight Minoru Suzuki and the show where I fight uh, Pimpinella Escarlata. So I'm a little concerned for only me. Everyone else on the show, I think is going to do fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, honestly, like the, the card, I have it right here in front of me real quick. It's, uh, it's stacked. Like it always is with some, obviously some familiar faces that we've seen at, at previous big gay brunches. Your Edith Surreal's, Billy Dixon's, Dark Sheik's, Paro's. But a number of, of new names as well that we've seen pop up, you know, here and there, whether it be at past big gay brunches and they're just coming back or the offshoots that we've seen from GCW with JCW and LA fights. I cannot say how excited I am that uh, you have people like Keita Murray, Jay Vidal coming back. You have Carlos Romo coming in yes. from across the pond to take on Jay Vidal there. Max Impaler making their uh, debut. I've been waiting for them to debut forever and dates have not worked out. You know, they were under ring of honor contract for a while. And, and I think maybe returning to ring of honor, I don't know yet, but to see them get to come to the big gay brunch and Edith surreal has mentioned before about, I, I think I could beat Max the impaler. Do you? And Max has mentioned before I would eat her. So <laughs> <laughs> I want to see how much chaos we can get. I think people are underestimating the level of wild, crazy violence in this. I had a match with Edith Surreal that was far more violent than I expected. And I've been watching Maxi Impaler and they are firing on all cylinders in a way that is something new, something very true, something very, uh, it has grip. What they are doing has grip and it's magic. And I want them to be unleashed, both of them. I want them unleashed to give the biggest version of themselves possible. And it's going to be beautiful. <laughs> I completely agree. I'm excited for that match wholeheartedly. I've been waiting for Max and Edith to, to finally clash for a while. That anytime Max shows up anywhere, Max, I, I am there. 
like Max and is like, I've been getting to see Max more lately, which is so exciting. Like <laughs> we ran into each other in Vancouver, British Columbia. And I was like, oh, what up, Max? And then where did I see Max this weekend? I saw Max at Glory Pro in St. Louis on Sunday. They are on a tear. They are doing the towns. It's going to be magic uh, once we actually get to Dallas. I, they asked me if I could bring a car into the <laughs> arena. <laughs> I don't know. It's There's no rules, folks. I, I don't know if I want to think about what that might entail. Uh, I, I'm not telling them no. <laughs> I mean, how can you tell Max no? No, yeah. At, at any point, no. Praying for you, Edith. Yes. <laughs> but um, obviously, like, a lot of the returning names are, are well-known, whether it be from the past GCW stuff or um, – big gay brunch performances some of those some of those matches that you have with people that have been on these cards are really interesting to me um dark chic impero stands out as one that that has the potential to be just as wild as anything that max and Edith put out there um and of course putting billy dixon in the ring with Keita Murray. yeah um, i think people don't understand exactly what i'm doing here but i think these are the two kings of the coast in my <laughs> In my heart right now, if we're going to pull at this moment, Kings of the Coast, Billy Dixon taking that East Coast spot, Keita Murray on the West Coast up and down that thing with belts hanging out the racket. Billy Dixon, last year's QWI number one on the list. A beautiful moment. I have no shame on that. And Keita Murray over here just going, I'll run into your promotion. I'll take all your belts and I'll win. This is like, this is what wrestling, uh, wrestling fans say wrestling should be. And it's, there's real heat on the line. I think more than people know. And, uh, I'm just going to let them duke it out and go at it. If Keita feels like throwing one of those belts up, I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see yeah. what, what could end up happening. I changed a lot of things as I get there, you know, just, <laughs> just for the excitement of the people and to pop myself again. No, I, yeah, I totally understand that. Obviously last year's show in Tampa had a lot of significance for Billy. Um, you know, yeah. he, he's been on the show. He's, he's talked about that time where, you know, he's thinking about leaving wrestling and, and how that match with AJ to close out the big gay brunch kind of really solidified where he wanted to be in terms of pro wrestling and kind of reignited a drive for him. How important is it for you to kind of see, see him being put back into a spot like this against someone like Keita, who, like you said, like I'm on the West coast. I know how Keita has been tearing it up out here All, everywhere. I've seen him like, whether it's Portland, Seattle area, California, like Vegas, like he's all over the place over here. There's a reason why you name him the West Coast King right now. Um, how What's the significance for you to, to, to have Billy kind of put back onto this stage again with a match like that against Keita? I sort of, I think about what I put Billy through on these shows. And with that pup collar match against AJ Gray, which Phil and Max, get it right. It's not a dog collar, it's a pup collar. Use the proper nomenclature. It was Billy proving that they, they could exist in this sort of, bloody violent i mean aj gray is a motherfucker and he put the violence on billy dixon and billy dixon came out and lived and and made a name of himself from it but also then i put him back into the mix with the sgc brothers and there's chaos and carnage and crazy with him and mv young and now i can say hey i'm not throwing all the gimmicks your way this time i'm not throwing everything here i think as a professional wrestler you're just as good whether you got shit in there or not i don't think you need to be a hardcore legend i think you need to pin this motherfucker and show him that you're the best best on either coast and i know keita murray is such a 
he's not only finding the confidence in the fact that he's a really good wrestler, but he's just a really good wrestler. And so knowing that it's going to put Billy Dixon to the test. And I know Billy comes out and proves himself again. I hope that it keeps showing Billy that like, yo, like you're important to wrestling. You have a lot of skills and it's not just your commentary and your promos and your storytelling, but also like you can kill it in the ring too. Billy's kicked my ass on a number of occasions. My God. <laughs> I I have watched many of those matches. I <laughs> Yeah, for, once again fight forever too i didn't even he threw me down the stairs yeah he did <laughs> um i did want to talk to you about dark sheik and para because Please. if there's another person in that has been really solidifying a place in progressing in, in the gcw ring over the past year other than effie it is dark sheik dark sheik has taken gcw by storm in in a, in a way there's magic to dark chic i also want to point this out dark chic helped train lita for her comeback dark chic yes. doesn't like taking credit for this <laughs> dark chic also appeared on the survivor series show in saudi arabia so they showed a trans iranian woman teaching lita how to wrestle in saudi arabia that is the greatest fuck you of all i fucking live for it <laughs> What I've been saying about Dark Sheik is what's going to happen with this Paro match, which is Dark Sheik is an incredibly accomplished 20-year pro wrestling veteran. Dark Sheik has been in that Bay Area, West Coast zone for a long time, but is now, like, as you said, she's out in the world. And I hope that this is the moment that re-unlocks, and I saw her put a bag over Charles Mason's head the other day, so it might be a very violent week for the Dark Sheik. I want to see the crazy, violent, drowning match, gig across the head, Sheiky baby back out. And I got some of that with the Nick Gage match, which I got to do commentary on, which was incredible. And seeing how well Nick Gage and Dark Sheik meshed together got me so excited. And I said, wait, if, uh, if she can handle Nick Gage, then she can probably handle Pero, and it'll keep Pero off my ass for at least another four months because he's still trying to kill me. <laughs> So, Dark Sheik, let out your inner fucking demon and kill that Paro because I am, eventually I'm going to have to fight him and I'm not, uh, uh, it'll be a <laughs> No, seeing that moment with, with Sheik and Charles Mason at the JCW show over the weekend, like, it made me really think that we're going to see another appearance of Drowning at some point I, this, that week. <laughs> please bring the Drowning back. If you aren't familiar, it's out there. Dark Sheik and her partner Anton Voorhees in Caution versus the Stoner Brothers and Hood Slam in a Drowning match. It's exactly what it sounds like. You have to drown your opponents. Uh, yeah, that's a weird level of violence because it's not like blood violence necessarily. There's a lot of weapons in the match and stuff, but seeing someone's head just dunked underwater for that long is you start to worry about kayfabe. And that's yeah. the point of what we're doing nowadays. Those little <laughs> bites where you go, I think she's drowned. No, well, you're still with a Dark Sheik. Yes, very much so. God. And if there, if Kita is the king of, of West Coast, Dark Sheik is the queen. Um, oh, honestly, yes. It's, yeah, Dark, it's, Dark Sheik is the sorceress of all wrestling. Yes. Dark Sheik owns the religion Church of Wrestling or is the leader of the religion Church of Wrestling. Because yes. it is a church for Dark Sheik and it is a sacred space for Dark Sheik. And also uh, a, a place where if she's smoking a blunt in the ring and you flick that thing off, she's going to make you bleed. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, I do want to talk to you about Pimpinella a little bit, but before we get there, is there anybody else that you personally are excited to have on the Big Gay Brunch? I know there's a number yes. of people that are like first timers here. You got Kid Bandit, Carlos Romo. 
um who, who yeah so shane is purser is coming over from yes. jolly old england as well or wales I, I might say i think he lives in england now though i'm not sure i don't know what the countries are called angeland i think i'm coming to angeland next year uh shape hers is coming over we also have kid bandit debuting for the first time and i've been watching them they were at the nightmare factory were trained with cody and qt they've been out here just like eating up the bookings and also the magic of seeing kid bandit sort of discover themselves and and be the truest version of themselves like effie's big gay brunch is the best place to come do that i think also when i look at we have this four-way tag match which is like what a what a fucking moment um Kenzie Page and Dylan McQueen, I want to highlight Kenzie Page because it hasn't gone to streaming services yet, but she was the victor of this year's New South Haas tournament, the heart of the Southern 16 tournament, featured myself, Alec Price, Jordan Oliver, Fandango, who we'll talk about in a moment. Yes. Uh, she came out on top. I was in the finals with her in a four-way with Alec Price, Braden Toon, and herself, and she won that match, and she won that tournament, and as a tag team with Dylan McQueen, they are... Uh, not to be fucked with and I'll put that as lightly as I can uh, violence from them and for her to be as small as she is and you're looking oh that's a nice little girl I've taken those forearms on multiple occasions she is not a nice little girl and I hope that the rest of these tag teams I've got MSP debuting who I'm really excited about in the same match I hope they're prepared they have figured out their vibe this year and it's beautiful and now the worlds have collided and it's worked out and we've got some MSP on our brunch <laughs> It's exciting to see, like, as more people are, like, kind of either coming out or, kind of, like, being noted as members of the community in a way to kind of see the ranks continue to grow and to continue to see them finding places on shows like the Big Gay Brunch and to find these platforms where they can really showcase themselves in, in the way that they do. Yeah, and as, I want to say this as a real mm. genuine point. I have found out from other people that there are other people that aren't quite ready to come out yet or aren't quite ready to be in that spotlight yet and that's okay and that's fine and i also will defend your right to be on my show with no explanation if you want to come in and have matches uh i'm always accessible my dms are always open i'm always interested in hearing you know who would like to join the army or or join the crew or do whatever but you don't have to be effie you don't have to be Paro, you don't have to be Maxi Impaler, you don't have to be Edith Surreal, be yourself and, and come to us and let us know. And, you know, I think that there's a lot more people out there whose skills can be highlighted uh, and who deserve that stage for, you know, as much hard work as they put in. No, I completely agree. And I think that's one thing that does get lost in like the larger conversation around queer identities in pro wrestling is that like, you know, much like in just regular everyday life, like, coming out as a process for an individual process, a very subjective one for, for yourself. And, you know, it really is about finding your own comfort level with how you want to be in terms of participation with, with a community and that sort of thing. So never ever uh, will, will we shame someone for, you know, taking their own time, their own timetable with, with that. Yeah, sort of for sure. Well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'll so, be around. I have no plans of going anywhere. So. <laughs> there will Effie will be around, and if not Effie's, there will always be someone around. There's too many of us fucking now. Yeah, yeah, we love it. <laughs> we got an army out here. Okay, Pimpinella. Yeah. Oh, how are how are you feeling? Stepping so, into the ring with Pimpinella Escarlata. It, I never thought something like that would happen. I remember like when I was getting into wrestling and you start kind of discovering these things and learning. And then I, you know, I think a lot of people have seen those brief moments on Lucha Underground, you know, Pimpinella appeared there, but 
the the true story of Pimpernel is deep there in Mexico and it's deep there in the lore of the Exoticas. And I think they debuted in 94, 94, maybe, maybe earlier even than that, uh, maybe for major promotions then. So it is a long story career. And I mean, Pimpernel is as fired up as I am. I am going to give it a hundred percent. I'll, I'll quote Matt justice. Uh, Sting probably didn't sleep after Starcade. I can imagine I'm going to go straight from Suzuki into the morning and hosting my show. I'll probably try to sleep before the Charlie Haas match at midnight. But with Pimpinella, I feel a certain level of comfort too, where like I'm going to get my ass handed to me somewhat, but also I'm going to enjoy it because I'm in there with someone who has pioneered this, who has dealt with the things I'm dealing with, who has felt the same kind of wild pressures at an even grander scale. And we're going to put on a fucking show for the people because that's what I do. When I started doing the big gay brunches, I was hesitant to give myself more than like six to eight minutes because I didn't want to look greedy. I never wanted to main event. I didn't want to be in that po- you know, position. But as I sort of started to trust myself and say, you know what, it's okay to eat the whole plate of food. And that moment with Jake Atlas, having that main event, having the first and last match of those weekends, I think, Maybe, I'm, maybe I was second and last match. I don't know. Um, I want to give you the best version of Effie at the show with my name on it versus thinking that I have to get out of the way all the time. So even though I'm going to be up all night, even though I will have fought Speedball earlier on Friday, fought Minoru Suzuki on Saturday, and we'll be fighting Charlie Haas of Team Angle at midnight afterwards, Pimpinella gets the most of my energy and attention because this is where we get to show them how the gays do it, honey. <laughs> And obviously this has another, some more significance with it being in Texas, being so close to Mexico, being so close to where the Pimpinella really made, uh, made their mark in, in the pro wrestling world. Yes. Um, has it been an important thing for you to really showcase and embrace the, the legacy of the Exoticos whenever it comes to the Big Gay Brunch? Because obviously Cassandro main event in the first one was Sunny Kiss. You know, we've seen elements here and there um, on other shows, but, you know, we're getting back to a uh, a legend in that arena with Pimpinella coming on this show. Yeah, yeah, because to me, that Exotico spirit is, it's such a fucking punk rock thing. It's such an incredible thing where you say, no, I'm going to be the most beautiful bitch I can be out here, and I'm going to kick your ass, and if you hate it, I'm going to keep doing it even more, and I want that spirit to always be there for the big gay brunch and to kind of stay in wrestling. You know, everybody thinks that, you know, Stone Cold was the, was flicking off the boss and doing the craziest, but you've got something that goes completely against society that you are fully invested in. And it's your life and career. That's a battle that is defining and to come out of that as shining and magical as these exoticos and legends have done. It's something that we always should look at because no matter how tough times were, there was a levity that they kept and there was a, a priority on entertaining the people and and giving the best show possible. And I think that there's a magic we have to kind of grab to that and continue to bring forward and continue showing the new generations like, bitch, they done it. Bitch, they done it before. Look (laughs) at it, darling. I absolutely adore it. It's going to be an outstanding uh, event. I am excited for whenever it comes. one more we question. talk about alley cats for a second. Oh, no, we will. We will. Okay. We will. I just I, wanted I just, to make sure. Because, <laughs> yeah, that, whenever you dropped that one the other day, that was just a, a wild. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to go kick Joey Janela's ass because he gave the gayest match of all away on Spring Break Part One, alley catch and Mickey James. 
mm. happening at spring break. And y'all, if y'all know the Mickey James history, Mickey is excited to do this one. Allie is excited to do this one. But I've got a bigger challenge for Allie. And somebody said, oh, is Fandango gay? I said, no, but he makes me feel certain type of ways and I can do what I want because I'm the booker. I fought Fandango at the heart of the Southern 16 tournament. And it was the most fucking fun I have had in so long. But I also like, it was a tough one for me to survive because you don't want to beat up hot people. And me and Allie have had conversations before about that spirit of Fandango. And truly, we would love to see the fashion police come take on Bussy, but Tyler Breeze is scared of Bussy. We can understand. It's not for everyone. Some of us just like keeping it simple and missionary. But Fandango, Dirty Dango, he is not scared of Bussy. And he says, what's up with Ali Catch? And I said, what do you mean? He goes, would she fight me? And I said, yeah, she would fight you, dude. <laughs> and so uh, I wanted to surprise her. Cranberry would not stay away from this man. Cranberry loves her some dirty dango. And I know Ali Catch will hopefully survive it, but I think this is going to be a really uh, fun place for Ali to let some steam off because a lot of her matches have been dead fucking serious. She's been proving to the world that she's a top-level grappler, a top-level technician, a top-level wrestler and entertainer. But I think sometimes you have to go back to the pot and go, oh, yeah, this shit, this shit could be as wild as we need it to be. There's no rules out here. And Dirty Dango, I got no rules. I found out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I that's that match just screams like wildness to me. Like, it, I don't know. Ali has been uh, talk about another person on the tear like that has had an amazing year. Like obviously last year around this time, we were starting to see the emergence of Ali catch and, and this, uh, this true side to Ali that we've seen really develop over the course of the last year. And it, it, it is about time that we see like Ali get, get this style of match and get something that, that she can sink her teeth into more so than just um, proving that, She's proven that she She's is proven. a serious Oh, wrestler. yeah. And I think what's beautiful about being in a tag team with Ali Catch is, like, we are constantly in a tag team, but we don't always have to be tagging. And we've had moments in this year where we've had huge bussy tag matches against Cardona and Chelsea Green, against SGC, against uh, uh, Tuchel Scorpio and, and Ricky Morton. <laughs> and we also give each other the space to where we can explore being singles wrestlers, and it's incredible. I mean, we're kind of like a... We're kind of like an open tag team. You know what I mean? Like if oh. you need to go have a moment with Dango, I'll go have a moment <laughs> with Dango. Maybe we team back up. Maybe he brings a partner. It's a very fun, open thing that has allowed both of us to grow significantly as performers and as human beings. And it's good to know that you have somebody by your side, that you can also be like, hey, I'm going to make you fight this dude. Um, it's a really, it's a cool bond and a cool friendship. And I hope that she keeps enjoying wrestling as much as she is right now. Yeah, yeah. Fluidity is a is a transferable concept. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till I tell you about doming promoters. Oh Lord, I can only. <laughs> I can it's only all imagine. doms and subs, baby. That's the only way I know how to explain it. I mean, honestly, like I can see it immediately. <laughs> <laughs> it all clicked. <laughs> oh, one more question for you on on Please. the big game brunch as we start to wrap up here a little bit. Um. Obviously, we've seen the um, the emergence of you know the directive from Governor Abbott down there towards trans youth and, and the parents and, and medical professionals of trans youth, and we've seen those similar 
directives in the form of legislation pop up in multiple states. Obviously, with Mania Week happening in Texas, we've seen um, some people kind of clamor, myself included, clamor and, and ask around at, at promotions that you know that are running down there if there's going to be any kind of like uh, effort or charitable effort or anything like that for for the community down there. That even though that that uh, directive has been basically like barred from enforcement right now as the legal stuff continues to pin. Um, that it still is creating a, a, a terror, honestly, a, a, a terrifying environment for, for a lot well, of And it's a validating people. environment for people who are full of hatred. You know, when yeah. they can point to legal doctrine that says these people aren't supposed to be allowed to live the way they are living, it's, it's bullshit. And it's, uh, I, I'll cut to the point. Once again, they play the game. Uh, in this world, in all of our worlds with this fucking currency and capitalism. And the best thing we can do right now, whether it's legal or being overturned or whatever it is, is to put hands and put money into the hands of the people who are actually on the ground doing the work. And I've yelled at Brett before about this because with all of the big gay brunches we've done, there's been a charitable component. And we have reached out to local charities. Um, we did one in Chicago. We did one in Indianapolis. They even came and, you know, the first bisexual city council member came and declared it independent wrestling day in Indianapolis. And we were able to help and support charity with the wrestling is gay stuff. I've been able to donate a fuck ton of money to a lost and found youth charity in Atlanta that does job training, housing, clothing. And I think now going into Texas, I'm real fired up to raise even more money to send it as a fuck you. And as a thank you to people who are having to live through this, there are a lot of charities that have been pointed out to us. There are a lot of people that we want to kind of extend it to, to make sure everybody gets a piece, but they're, you know, even at uh, the Chicago show, my ass ordered the catering got fucked y'all. And so my <laughs> ass ordered $500 worth of McDonald's after the war games match and then sent Pollo Del Mar to Costco to pick up pastries. And we ended up raising an additional $1,000 from the brunch sales of shitty McDonald's sandwiches and pastries, which we will have a better brunch situation this year to go towards those Chicago LGBTQ charities. And it's like, what a magic fucking concept that we can go out as independent performers without really leashes on us and be able to come in and do something as silly as pro wrestling in its truest form and give back in a real way to people. So we will definitely be making a contribution or multiple contributions from the Big Gay Brunch. And I know I'm doing one of the merchandise pieces I will have there will exclusively be going to a trans charity in uh, the Dallas area. Mm, that's so I'm awesome. Excited. I'm pumped. And I hope, you know, I see more people stepping up and doing it. And the indies are being more charitable than a lot of places I see right now. It's awesome to see. We look out for each other. We look out for others. And when we have a cup that overfloweth, we, we, we do not let it spill. We make sure you get a taste. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I had a, I had a feeling that, that there was going to be some component of that based off of what happened in Chicago with yeah. Poyo pushing those pastries as hard as she could. Poyo tried her best, but you know, it's, it, there is a balance. I think I was hinting to it earlier before I just word vomited everything. We're like, you don't want to look like, Oh, look, GCW's donated to the gays. Look at it. And so we sometimes don't advertise it as much as we're actually doing it versus like we do also need to let people know what's going on because it gives awareness to these charities and it gives people more of an idea. Um, we're trying to be less humble about our donations, but sometimes you're like, I, you got to read the room. It's a hard spot to be in, but we're going to keep giving money to help where we can. And uh, I just did my taxes. It's not a good situation, but I was proud of the amount of charity I personally was able to give. But I, the rest of the spending, my God, Effie, calm down. <laughs> 
Effie is fine. Effie's fine. <laughs> oh, well, Effie, this has been a blast to, to catch up with you again. Thank you. Yeah, you know, I've enjoyed we'll, it. We'll have to get you get you back uh, sooner. We can't go a year without I know. having you on the podcast again. But I understand you're a very very busy man. I talk to you more than I talk to some family members. So, so just to <laughs> understand that you're actually getting you're getting Yo, somewhere you, with me. You want to talk about the queer experience? Yo. Um, anyway. <laughs> Lord have mercy on all of us. Oh, Lord. Well, Effie, let everybody know, if they don't know already, where they can find yes. you online or where they can get tickets to the Big Gay Brunch coming up in Dallas. You can find out all about the Big Gay Brunch with the hashtag Effie Gay Dallas. And that is also the website to get tickets. EffieGayDallas.Eventbrite.com. Still tickets available. I don't know how many seats are available, but there's tickets available. And uh, you can find me everywhere at Effie Lives, E-F-F-Y-L-I-V-E-S. It stands for Electric Fantastic Fuck You. I'm live on Twitch every Monday night at 8 p.m. with three hours of independent wrestling. And I like uh, talking to people in person. I don't answer phone calls. (laughs) Thank you, Effie. Thank you. My thanks once again to Effie for taking the time out of his very, very busy schedule to sit down and chat with me all about the Big Gay Brunch coming up this Saturday, April 2nd. I got the day wrong in the interviews. April 2nd at 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific uh, over on Fight.tv. It's definitely to still check that out to get the pay-per-view. I'm, like Effie said, I'm sure tickets are still available possibly i don't know but i'm sure there's a way that you can get in the building if you're down in dallas and want to check out some supremely queer shit in the world of pro wrestling it's going to be great it's going to be awesome i am very 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 stoked for that one um i guess that's going to do it for this week really but before we leave i do want to kind of talk a little bit about what we have going on next week because you know as you know avid listeners of the show um we release a a number of episodes in the week following wrestlemania last year uh we had a brown six or seven i think uh we are going to be releasing four this time around uh we are going to be covering uh for the culture we're going to be covering the big gay brunch obviously and then we're going to be covering both nights of wrestlemania uh, and we have a uh, outstanding array of guests to come and help break down each of those shows. Um, uh, those will be announced uh, online uh, probably once everything's wrapped up on the weekend and then we're able to digest everything. But it's going to be a great collection of shows next week. Uh, I, I cannot wait to have a chance to relive everything that we are all about to live right now. Because as soon as this is done, you got wrestling to go watch. You got the collective today. You got <laughs> you got Effie and Minoru Suzuki uh, in a, in a, a day to go check out. You got so much fun stuff going on down there in Dallas. Um, if you're down there, enjoy yourself. Be safe. If you're not, get ready for a fucking ride. <laughs> it's gonna be four days of wonder for sure um that being said though we are gonna wrap for this week um but until next time y'all stay messy wash your hands wear your mask get vaccinated and boosted if at all possible and who saw buff bagwell becoming uh an ally 
Do you have that on your bingo card? <laughs> Bye. Bridge. She made a deal with the demon so her lover could live. But the moon is high.